Do you like big things? I like big things. Do you like big monsters? That's my second favorite thing. Welcome to the Monster Zone. Hello, everyone. How are y'all doing today? Thank you very much for coming. That was quite aggressive. I know, I'm just popping into it. I was like trying to keep everybody on their toes. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about an influential film, I think. 1953 classic. I will say classic for this movie. I know, it's fine. We're good, we're good. 1953 classic, The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. And I have an interesting story about this because... My dad always told me about this movie, The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, but the movie I grew up watching was a indoor, was a remake made four years later, wait, four or five years later, 57 or 58, it was The Giant Behemoth, which is re- almost a remake of this fucking movie. And I'm pretty, it was, uh, Willis O'Brien did that one too. Or Ray Harryhausen, I mean. Yeah. Ray Harryhausen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's my weird connection. I didn't watch this till way later. My dad's like, oh, it's like Beast of 20,000 Fathoms. And anyhow, we'll get to that. But anyway, that's the movie we're talking about today with, of course, our esteemed co-host, Mr. Parker. He's probably over here. I don't care, I'm pointing. Hello, Patreon. He's somewhere, this way. I'm, I'm below you with the overlay, oh, but it's hi. okay. Don't worry about it. He's down there. <laughs> with the lovely wife, Angela. <laughs> There's your brand new car. Like, I just feel like Hello. one of those things. Hey. Yeah. You're, uh, you're the ladies from the prices, right? Like, you got a caress things. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> Anywho, uh, and I'm Dan, of course. I'm the guy. I'm, I'm, I'm that guy. It's not the guy. I'm a guy. Not, I'm not. I'm not the, the Dan. I'm the Dan. Allegedly. Say something later. Please don't. Dana could be good for you. (laughs) No. Whoa. Well, depends. Mr. Parker, if you don't care to give us some riveting backstory here. Oh, man. This is exciting. So we were talking about the beast from 20,000 Fathoms, which I just want to mention that uh, by the time you hear this episode to our wonderful patrons over at the $5 tier, our Godzilla 98 episode will be out which is a long one and yes, and it's a good one. So every minute of it is worth it. Uh, what was that? Hello? Was that thunder? Did my house just fall apart? Like, did my house just <laughs> collapse? That was the loudest bit of thunder I've ever heard. I'm in the basement. I Jesus can hear it over you. <laughs> that was good. Is everything okay? <laughs> Thought maybe somebody oh, fell. Wait, was that, wait, where are you? Are you upstairs? Is the house okay? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping all this in. I don't care. Holy no, that's shit. great. No, oh, I think this is wonderful. Shit. Holy shit. All right. So... Yes, our Godzilla 98 episode is out by the time you hear this. And we mentioned this movie in that episode because Godzilla 98 definitely took a lot of influences from this movie. You know, where God's... 
Godzilla heard you talking about him. He's like, I got it. Yeah. She rigged it. She rigged the spin wheel we do for these shows. Yeah. I mean, I I just click the spin button and I don't do anything else. But yeah. So, yeah, this, um, you you could definitely see the influences in Godzilla 98, you know, where Godzilla emerges from the water in New York is the same exact spot that the, the beast emerges from in this movie. It's, it's awesome. I love it when you can kind of point out these influences, even though Godzilla 98 isn't a well-liked movie. It's great to see that it took some influences from a classic, but let's get to some, uh, some of the people behind this movie. This movie was directed by Eugene Laurie, who this was his first, this was his directorial debut in 1953. And then some other notable monster movies that he would do is the Colossus of New York. Uh, the giant behemoth, which I guess was you said it was the remake, right? The yeah, pretty much remake, a remake, yeah. Uh, which was 1959. Then he did a TV series called The World of Giants. Uh, then his last movie he directed was called Gorgo in 1961, and he directed he some. He he's an uncredited director on. I guess he did some some clips that were used in the 1977 Godzilla. Uh, were shot by him, but he's uncredited. So that was his last director spot. So the 77 Godzilla would have been the animated series. So that would have to be his involvement. Um, I guess it was the original guy. It was the colorized version of the original Godzilla. Mm, okay, okay. Because I know, I didn't realize they did that. I know Italy did one. That did a colorized version. I didn't realize that's kind of neat. Uh, but he was uh, his his career was mostly in the art department. Was art director uh, starting all the way back in 1932, and he would work all the way up until 1980, where he died in 1991. That does suck. I hate that the fact that his last movie he directed is like, hey. Let's make a British version of Godzilla, but make it fucking boring. <laughs> so whenever we talk about that movie, this is just a spoiler for you guys. Died of boredom. Um, yes, that was so it. This movie was also written by Fred Freiberger, who wrote the movie we talked about earlier this month on the Monster Zone, uh, with the beginning of the end. Uh, it was also written by Eugene Laurie, uh, Louis Morheim, and Robert Smith. This was based on a story called The Foghorn by Ray Bradbury. Yep. It stars Paul Christian as our main character, Professor Tom Nesbitt. We have Paula Raymond as Lee Hunter. We have Cecil Kellaway as Dr. Thurgood Elson. Uh, Kenneth Toby as Colonel Jack Evans. And um, yeah, that's pretty much your your main cast there. Lee Van Cleef. Yeah. What? Did I miss Lee Van Cleef. Oh, as Corporal Jason Stone. Yeah, Did he's, you just he's, like that name? No, Lee Van Cleef. He's using a bunch of old spaghetti westerns and stuff. Oh, okay. He was working with uh, Clint Eastwood and stuff like that. Uh, he was into he, he was, he's like, there's a few of these movies like this that he's like a B, like, he's the dude that, he was the marksman at the end of the movie. Oh, on the okay. That was him. I was like, what the fuck? Lee Van Cleef? And I'd like, look at it. I was like, holy shit. But yeah, he was That's in a awesome. lot of old spaghetti westerns and shit like that. So uh, this was released June 13th, 1953, ran at 80 minutes. 
Uh, it had a budget of $200,000 and made $5 million at the box office. I want to say something else about this. As you mentioned the short story by Ray Bradbury, Foghorn. Yep. There is an independent kaiju director um, that made a modern version of this called it was Howl from Beyond the Fog, I think it was. We watched it. It's a it's a stop. It, it was made like four years ago, but it's all like the creature itself is all classic toku props. Like it's an actual kaiju, but all the humans or the human characters are all puppets and mannequins, almost oh. like traditional theater public. It's a short movie. It's like 30 minutes. It's wonderful. And I just want to mention it because uh, uh, SRS media, SRS cinema they do a lot of smaller stuff. They've been releasing some interesting, obscure kaiju stuff. Yeah. I got a guy that I know a guy that's involved in all that. I've known him for a long time since my early YouTube days, Avery. Yeah. And um, yeah, they they uh, they released that in the United States. So if you ever get, if you could find it, uh, I recommend watching that as well. So the story behind the inspiration to this movie. Uh, so. Ray Harryhausen and Ray Bradbury were friends, and Ray Bradbury would visit him on the set because uh, Ray Harryhausen is the one who's behind the creature design and effects in this movie, and they're brilliant. Uh, and he gave him the script, and he went over it, and he was like, "This some of these parts seem very familiar to a short story I wrote. So, and because uh, the short his short story was literally about a monster attacking a lighthouse. And so he sold the rights to the idea for $2,000 and then changed the name of his short story to the Foghorn. And then they were able to change their movie title to the beast of 20,000 fathoms. So there you go. There you go. And yeah, there's again, not Oh wait, never mind. There's a lot more behind the scenes with this uh, than the last one. It was the highest grossing film in 1953 at $5 million, which is a shit ton of money in today dollars. I don't know the exact dollar. I don't know the exchange rate. I'm going to look it up. A lot. You can keep going. More than I'll ever see. So a lot of the uh, the drawings that you see in the movie of like all the dinosaurs were actually done by one guy. He was a nature artist, and they just had him draw a bunch of dinosaur pictures. Um, and... It pretty much what he did was he took dinosaur designs from like other famous dinosaur movies or other famous movies that had dinosaurs in them. So the Lost World from 1925, King Kong from 1933, and the dinosaurs from Fantasia from 1940. Yes. Oh, you want to answer that? To answer your question, uh, five million dollars in 1953 is the equivalent of fifty-seven million dollars today. Well, there you wow. go. You that's, would never need that's money great. on a two hundred on a two hundred thousand dollar budget in nineteen fifty three, which was um, two million dollars. Two point two million dollars was two hundred thousand dollars. That's crazy. That's not uh, the artist's name was Charles R. Knight. He died two months before this movie was released. Oh well, damn. That sucks. The dinosaur in this movie is a fictional dinosaur. <laughs> yes, it is. It is the Redosaurus. Um, I, they, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff here on, just go to IMDb if you want to look at some, some cool facts on this movie. I'm not going to go too deep. That's not, not really what the show is all about. Uh, we'll talk nope. about some other stuff though, as we, as we go along. But, um, again, Dan's talked about it a couple times. The fact that this was 
uh, known to be the big inspiration behind Godzilla getting made in 1954. Yes. Uh, so good job. And also, but the funny thing was, is that because of the success of the re-release of King Kong in 1952 is how, what got this off the ground. Allegedly, the rumor has it. I don't know that somebody can correct me if this story has changed, but if I'm remembering it right, it was Tomoyuki Tanaka. The idea came to him while he was on a plane trip of Godzilla. And he had already seen, of course, he'd seen Kong and he'd seen the beast from 20,000 Fathoms. And that's kind of where it. Love getting your inspirations from something so awesome. Right. And it spouted something awesome in, in turn. It's not yeah. just like, this inspired me and just be like a turd, but you know. It wasn't just a one off inspiration it was a major like oh yeah yeah yeah, absolutely keep let's keep going with it yep yeah all right well if you guys want to start off on this plot breakdown let's get this going great let's do that let's talk about the beast from Twenty Thousand fathoms from 1953 even though my dad always calls it the beast from Twenty Thousand phantoms and it fucking it's it's just what he calls it. Like, I love my dad. I'm not making fun of him. It's just what he calls it. Listen, if it helps you remember something, go for it. I, I don't care what you say. I never as correct as him. It, he just says it. I'm what, like, what, what I have to talk about, though, real quick, and I'll, yeah, sure. is the fact that posters back in the day were fucking awesome. Oh, holy shit, aren't they? Why are posters done like this anymore? Unless they're like from independent poster artists. Like, no one in Hollywood... I mean, Hollywood sucks at the current moment, but... Yeah, like I feel like all these posters that are done by like big studios are just garbage. They're just trash. It's like independent poster artists or independent artists are the ones that are making these really cool posters. But like, the, there's so many amazing posters just for this movie alone, and the poster uh, for the last movie we covered, yeah, was awesome. It, like that's yeah. what got people to watch them. Like to be honest, you oh, see yeah. this because you see. You'd see this poster outside the theater, and you're like, "Fuck yeah! What the hell is that? I want to go see yep. that." Here's my nickel. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like the '50s and '60s had the best. So cool. I, I feel the best art for their movies ever. I will tout this, and I will say Even this: even the is, '40s, I will like say, late '40s. Yes, I love poster design from this era. And there's some great posters from the 70s and 80s, like the the hand-painted Star Wars and Indiana Jones posters and shit like that. My One of my favorite posters of all time is from the fucking 90s. It's Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. The, the hand-painted, not the one that's the stills, the fucking hand-painted one and the one of Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla from 1993 are fucking insane. I love those posters so much. I mean, I love I I love alternate posters. It's it in just, there. They're very. There's so much more creativity behind them. I, like when I make our thumbnails for all of our podcast episodes, I I try to find you know independent artists posters to use as as you know the our thumbnail art because yeah that's this. fucking amazing. I bought this for him. Dude, this this rocket ship, this shit ain't even in the fucking movie. This shit is awesome. <laughs> Why is that not hung up on your wall? I, I'm lazy about hanging shit up. I've Angel that got needs me to that. be in I the back. Of putting holes in the wall. This was the first hole I ever put in this. No, wall. You don't have to put a hole in the wall. Just get years. some command strips. Dude, it's so cool, dude. This artist did all the Godzilla movies from like, I think it was Biollante in '89 up through like. 
the mid nineties and some of the two thousand ones. It's it's all hand painted. It's gorgeous. I have that too. Man, come on, gotta hang those bitches. I, I just know, get some. I just know. get some heavy duty command strips, and you don't damage your walls. That's what I do. Hey, I'll, I will keep that in mind. I never think of command strips. We'll get command strips. We'll get them up. I mean, I have to with my walls because they're concrete because I'm in the like, basement. I but have... like, makes sense. Even on, I mean, they're way better on like the walls that you guys have. Fair point. Like I've bought both of those for him. Yeah, I love them. I just I'm bad at hanging shit up. I've always been that way. You um, the one right behind Angela, like on that wall, right behind her head. No, this this is my wall. Angela, it looks like all your shits on that wall. And so you gotta give Dan one. something. Uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> he can have over there. Well, that's if you're gonna, if that's gonna be your wall, can you put something there? <laughs> Listen, I'm. It's got Ghidorah on it. You'd like it. I am uh planning out this wall because I I kind of want to move the desk this way. To look at that wall. There you go. So he can have that wall. Well, well, we're done. We can we can argue interior decorating later. (laughs) I'm the decorator. Hear hear about the. We have there's three holes in that wall, and it's two, two nails that aren't used yet, and that wreath back there, and that's a bit. So. This is you could think this is an analogy analogy for the movie, but I may not agree with you. Uh, the movie starts with somebody flushing a toilet. It's not. It just it's like it's literally the movie starts with the fucking credits. It's like a swirling yeah. drain, yeah. and it's like beast from twenty thousand fathoms. It's got to show yep. you if it's in the north hemisphere or the southern hemisphere. Like which you know, I didn't think it? about that. Valid point. Uh, we start with a. A narrator, essentially talking. I honestly, I don't remember what some of this is about, but I know they're they're talking about an Arctic an experiment in the Arctic. Is this the North Pole or the South Pole? I have no. This is the clear. North Pole. North. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because they talk about it goes, how, how they goes down. Yeah. yeah. So it's in the North Pole, and they're doing an experiment to do with, something to do with nuclear weaponry, and it takes them two <laughs> yeah. months to exactly two months to set it up, and it's all for like one big thing. And we have just shots of military dudes doing stuff, and a narrator, and an ice and snow. When you think you're watching the thing, I was that's so I was waiting for them to like see this big old chasm with a building in the middle that they have to climb down into. Yeah, and then they find you know dead people. Like I was just waiting for that. It didn't happen. Well, what happened? Well, well, they do in fact nuke Santa. So in this universe, that's what I said. I'm like, no, not Santa. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Ranger did not happen in 1964. We never got a year without a Santa Claus. There just wasn't a Santa Claus anymore. Just nukes the whole fucking North Pole. (sighs) You get shots of just, you know, ice, like stock shots of like ice falling into water and shit like that breaking. You just see the the pole from the North Pole. You just see pieces of red. You see it melt. Yeah. You just see a, the the abominable just floating face down. Oh no! Poor bubble. No, they can bounce, but apparently they can't resist nuclear blasts. So, what are you gonna do? Yeah. No more peppermint mines for Yukon. None of that stuff. Oh, no. So, oh, no. see what's he gonna mine? Oh, I really He's probably I, dead. I really need someone to do this. Please just mix this scene of the nuke going off. It just have the entire world of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer just getting taken out. Please, yeah, 
It'll be like the shot of the Somebody, nuclear test please. on the buildings. Like, the, you know, the soccer's oh, where they nuke no. the building, but it's just Santa's castle. Like, oh, boom. no. Everybody's watching it happen, and it just flash on them, and they disappear. Oh, what the fuck's this? see one guy's... Oh, 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 shit. Oh, Rudolph. I can't remember. I, can't remember. I just want yeah, to that one guy who's got the binoculars as he's, like, looking at everything that's happening, and he sees it all, and he doesn't tell anyone. He's like, yep. <laughs> I'm gonna and be this scarred United, for life. This <laughs> United States military plan to destroy Christmas so they could commercialize it. But it can't just be Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. You you gotta have Frosty in there. Yeah, absolutely. You know you gotta have um, <sighs> little drummer boy. No, he's in the Middle East. No, Fuck. the Island of Misfit Toys has yeah. to be in it too. Charlie because in the box. They're <laughs> they're, they're in that area. The yeah. They're gone. They're gone. No, ever. King oh. Moonraiser. <laughs> no, no, then you would take oh, you take out Snow Miser. Okay. Oh, he doesn't live in the North Pole. He's he's close he, enough. He's a he's god. He's, he's a god. god. He don't care. He's, he's got no guy. clipping. He's we'll watching down below going, Well, fuck. <laughs> don't think his brother was the brother's like, brother's Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> this became our Christmas episode. I mean, this is, uh, I'm a heat miser all the way. Just saying. After the bomb goes off, they, a couple of the dudes on the radar get a, a weird reading. Like, hey, there's a big thing. It was there. Big things, as you talk about in the beginning. Big thing on the radar, and then it just disappeared. And of course, nobody believes. Like, you guys are full of shit. It was probably ice or something wrong with the antenna after the blast went off. Whatever. It's this the is Yeti. What... Huh? It's the Yeti. <laughs> it, 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 it's probably the Bumble's body. It's just like, <laughs> being flown by. Just fell. It, we we get introduced to Tom. We ain't get introduced to the other character, but he's not super relevant yet. But Tom, we get introduced to Tom. He's science man. Where is he from? He's got an accent. Does anybody have any idea? It's like the, the actor, actor really talks. So he's talks. from Switzerland. Okay, I thought so, which is yeah. weird to have a not, like, full-blood American it, Caucasian dude doing this. Is. Well, like, a lot of the movies that we he was in were... Like French films, so in that area. Yeah, I like I like him. He's like different. that one right there. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's German. Like it's German. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I mean um, it's pretty it's pretty crazy to think about. Like this is a a U.S. film, right? This is all this was all done in the United States, and yeah, and the lead actor is not American. In well, nineteen. 19- director- and the you know yeah and the director's not American he's he was yeah, he was Russian Russian born so yeah, I mean so. he probably was familiar with people from that area like was, not for the time it's just wild to see something like yeah, that yeah. it just it just I don't know it just added some an extra like cool factor to the, the yeah movie. absolutely yeah. And I like hearing him talk I think he talked I like the way his voice I him. just want to yeah. state that this movie came out four years before the movie we talked about earlier this month and this movie looks so much better visually yeah, yeah. we're not even to the best parts yet does that even the, well yeah well we'll talk about the transfer and shit like because you watched it on that you watched it on your phone right yeah i watched it uh, i watched it on in, yeah. in a place yeah yeah he watched it on his phone oh, but where did we we'll watch the blu-ray that's right it looks beautiful. I, I will buy. I will be getting the Blu-ray beautiful. of this movie. Yeah, I, just didn't, I, I didn't have the time to to get the Blu-ray before we recorded. So, oh, we figured we might not on such short notice. Because there's there's just a couple of scenes where I'm like, man, that's really sharp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, 
essentially we get introduced to Tom Nesbitt. He's our scientist guy. We were just talking about. He's in charge. He's got to go out in the field after the blast and take readings and so on and so forth. And there's a dude that works there named Loomis, Sergeant Loomis. I'm pretty sure this is Dr. Loomis. In my mind, this is Dr. Loomis. This is what he would. He'd fit the age. He'd fit the age. Listen, it would work. I'm telling so, you. This is, this is the history of, of Loomis, okay? So he goes from being a doctor or a scientist in the Arctic, spirit and, uh, you know, Here's kooky stories from his co uh, his colleague about how there was a giant monster, and he's like, "Yeah, I think I'm gonna go find a different a uh, different thing to do." So he moves, and he runs into Marion Crane, who he gets in a relationship with her. She steals some money from her job, and then she goes to the Bates Motel, and she dies. And then he goes and figures everything out. And then after fa finding out his girlfriend died and all that, and getting the killer. He then is like, I need to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get into psychiatry because yep. I want to. I want to deal with psychopaths, and then he becomes Michael Myers' doctor. Exactly. That's bang, exactly. Bang. I was working. Thank you. I mean, he made the I connection. Mean, look at the look at the roles he's Dude, played. Listen, I looked over at this shit when he, the actor that played this fucking Sergeant Loomis in this Sonic Adventure. Dude, yes, he plays in Giant Spider Invasion, which fucking sucks. All right, the movie's terrible. We'll probably end up talking about it. He was Gamma and the original Sonic Adventure, E-102 Gamma. Who the If anybody played Sonic Adventure, the original, please tell me you know what the fuck I'm talking about. That was his last role. Good God. Anyhow, let's just keep going. This is voice in it. I'll use his voice. He passed in 93, but they used his voice. Oh, okay. 93. Okay, I missed that. Sorry. But they still used his voice, yeah, so it was it. His... it sucked. But you know, you know, you're part of somehow in Sonic Adventure. Sometimes in your life, you're like, you know what? I'm in Sonic Adventure. Anyway, so they go he goes out with I don't remember the dude. Richie. Richie's the guy he yep. goes out with. Even though he calls him a different name later. I don't want to get into that, but just they called him Richie. We were watching the watching the, the subtitles. subtitles. I was like, that's so that's he goes out with Richie. It's like a bunch of guys in a thing. It's him and Richie going foot to check all these little, like, stations where they take readings from the blast. And Palm's like, dude, listen, I'm going to split up. Richie, you go this way, I'll go this way. So Richie goes out. There's a storm, a blizzard coming in, and he sees the monster. Like, he sees the titular Redosaurus. Looks fucking great, by the way. Fucking stellar. But uh, he sees it, or he hears it first. Then he sees it. And essentially, it's spooked. It falls into a fucking hole. And he thumps into this opening. You, you can, like, hear him spook yeah. when he hits the bottom. <laughs> Ends up breaking his leg. So he pulls out his revolver and shoots to get attention. Tom's attention. So Tom goes over there to help him out. He's like, hey, dude, what's wrong, Richie? Richie's like, oh, you know, I, I fucked up my, you know, I hurt my leg. I can't, I can't walk. Like, he's in terrible pain, whatever. So he's like, hey, I'll get you out. He's kind of, like, in this level crevasse ravine thing because it's in the arctic so it's all snow and ice right so he climbs out and goes to go get his buddies to help out well the monster shows back up on top of the area above both of them and knocks all these rocks out just fucking mercs richie oh yeah he's just gone richie richie just gets shit on he gets knocked down a hole breaks his damn leg has to suffer for a while and he just gets an avalanche thrown on pop on top of him and then uh, apparently 
Tom gets injured in some to some extent mm-hmm. while during this whole thing, and he passes out or almost passes out, fires a flare, and zonks out. The dudes end up finding him, cut and bring him back to the base. And his buddy, what the fuck is his buddy's name? I always forget. Oh, Jack. Jack Evans. Colonel Jack Evans. He'll be more yeah. important later. But they essentially bring him in. The doctor checks him out. They're like, hey, we couldn't find Richie. You know, they looked all over his body. Loomis is like, I just found his revolver. I swear I grabbed it. And I, you know, I'm going to go find out what did this. And I'm going to shoot him six times, you know. Didn't the <laughs> subtitles, though, call him like David or something? George. It was Well, his first name is George. But he calls him Richie. And the subtitle said George. I'm like, it threw me the fuck off. I was like, who are you talking about? Is this guy's name? That was George. Where did he come yeah. from? So this is, this is, what was said. this is where Loomis gets his revolver that he uses on Michael Myers. This is where it all comes from. They find Richie's revolver. That's it. They can't find anything else. Um, anywho. So they transport Tom back to the States because he needs medical attention, immediate medical attention. So they take him back, get him all patched up. And he starts ranting and raving about how he saw a monster. Nobody, of course, believes him. I put it in Jack was flown to the States for repairs. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. I don't know. Uh, He's not doing so well. We need to bring him back to the States because he's pretty bad shape. I love how everybody talks in the 50s. It's 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 great. They all talk like they're on the radio. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. Uh, Peter Graves actually was on the radio. I forgot to. He was actually. radio announcer no oh, i didn't know that so uh, i think that's i think that's where a lot of the people yeah. in the 50s and 60s got their start like or either started yeah. there or ended there yeah it was a it was a big thing damn it I didn't, dude we get introduced to what <laughs> he's in bewitched no cecil Calloway. Oh, played, okay. Played Santa in Bewitched. Oh, okay. So there you go. There's your your tie. Uh, God. Essentially, we get more introduced to Colonel Jack, which is of course Tom's friend. You don't really you see him in like a winter coat, and he says a few things in the Arctic. But this is where you really kind of get to know him a little bit better. And we get Do a few shots of the arctic say much they're all like staring i know they just nuke <laughs> shit check readings get attacked by a monster and this time it's not a dog that transforms into a monster so we were a few years about 30 years off from that one we don't see what it transforms from it could have sure been a dog it could have been <laughs> we get some shots of the of the of the, the monster sinking a boat Cool shots. Really good effect shots of it taking yes. this fucking boat out. Yes. Looks great, dude. Oh, Again, they're rising out of the water, taking it out, and then of course it turns into the full stop motion, which is fantastic. Yeah, and the boat, like you can like, be, it's not just yeah. sink and go down. Like the boat's fighting to stay afloat as the monsters like push. Yeah. masterful work by Ray Harryhausen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Tom breaks out of the psych ward to go visit a paleontologist because he's like, everybody has to believe me. Nobody believes him. We get introduced to Dr. Ellison. There you go. Dr. Ellison and then his assistant, which I can't think of her name either. It's there. Uh, Lee, Lee Hunter. Lee Hunter. Yes. Goes and introduce, goes to talk to them. Ellison doesn't believe his story. He's like, listen, people have seen monsters for years. It's never true. Lee kind of buys into it a little bit because she knows uh, Tom a little bit from his like lectures she's listened to. He's obviously not crazy, but yeah. Well, no. the thing is, is like I, 
you know, it's a lot of times where you see movies where like somebody sees something, they go and tell somebody, and it's just like, yeah, hey, you're crazy. Like we'll, we we kind of get that later when that general uh, Jack Ev- or Colonel Jack Evans goes and visits his Navy friend there that he's trying to get help yes. from, and he's yes. just like, "Are you sure you're all right? We gotta get a straight jacket, you know, yeah, you know, or yeah. whatever." And it's just you know that typical like you're you're crazy. Where this one is like Elson is just kind of you know taking it in stride where it's like yes people have for millennia talked about monsters and you know he's like well what about all these reports and he's just like if we had if we went by just a few reports you know we could put those end to end and they'd reach the moon yeah and and I like anytime, that analogy there yeah and anytime tom brings something up ellison has a legitimate counterpoint yeah. he's it's not, not like you said he's not just quickly. like you're crazy like everybody yeah. else he's like no no logical explanation Mm-hmm. The easiest thing back then was to, you're like, you're crazy. Like, they put women in places. Oh, for, yeah. Or they just burned them. For Not, <laughs> not in 19. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, wasn't this was around the time where women got lobotomies for oh, thinking different? Yeah. Well, yeah, because. But not men. For thinking different. No, no. So to see someone be like, you know, a man thinking that somebody else could think differently, it's nice. It's, it's nice to see that they just don't say, hey, you're crazy. Like, no, I can see where you're coming from. Yeah, I mean, he's literally like, you're talking about a, a, a dinosaur that's been extinct for 100 million years. Like, it's just, it's so far out there. And he's naming off like other legends. He's yeah, like, yeah. Just how the world works. Yeah, there's there's a lot more to this scene, like you said. It's not just yes. you're crazy. Go away. Yeah, there I, are that does happen, but not with. I uh, love Doctor Elson. Yes, and again, they gotta break my heart. Yep. I mean, like the the guy that plays him, though. Oh yeah. Well, he goes back to the loony bin because yep. he just broke out of talking <laughs> to the sailor. Like, he's like, "Well, I guess I gotta go back." <laughs> yep. <laughs> Shucks! It's that's the easiest thing, though. It's I, like no, just let him go. Yep. yep. After he ends up getting out, he he meets up with Lee because Lee's like really pushing. Like I think there might be some some legitimately legitimacy to your claim. Yeah. So they kind of sit down and they start looking at pictures. Like, could you identify it if we show it to you? If we showed you every pictures of every living thing we can think of, like from back then, if you could identify it, and they kind of like have some, you know romantic bond building you know talking but it's not creepy and awkward like freaking no the dude from the last movie who's just like i know i created these gigantic grasshoppers but can i uh stick my wee wee in you and he's like can we can worry I about the problem at, can, we, can we get with figure out the problem at hand here before oh, sorry ladies in the 50s sit more pants i get under your dress that's your true skirt. and you're you're right because it seems like obviously there's some flirtation going on between them, but it's yeah, more yeah. casual. I have that makes sense. They're just like hanging out, doing stuff. They're like, all right, we still have a job to do here. But right. it's not like the guys that are like, get over here. Like, yeah, I, none of I hate Kiss those me. movies where it's like, oh, I'm gonna get like right in your face yes. and start yeah. flirting. I know we just you. met five seconds ago, but hello. Yes, <laughs> me take allow you on me a to date. dick you down, man. <laughs> Uh, but they are gonna they... do something later. It's not. It has nothing to do with this. No, like I I don't mind the friendly flirtation, but you know most 
people nowadays can be friendly without being flirtatious. It's yeah. just their their way. Like I, right. I hate movies that just immediately go to that. Like yeah, hey, and, and we're gonna have sex later. There's an angle to that in this movie, <laughs> but it's not it's not as shoved in your face as much as a lot of other movies of even now or but this you era. Can still be friends and you know have those conversations where. It's not going to end in sex later. Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm going to take you on a date. We're going to go to dinner. <laughs> well, they they find the creature. They don't have a name for it, but he identifies a picture of yeah. the obvious monster in the film. And eventually, he reads more about more stories about various boats being sunk. It's not just like one we've seen earlier, but there's yeah. other boats that are being are being sunk. And... Tom decides to look into some of these leads, which they are in Canada. He's like, a couple boats are, are, have sunk. He tries to follow up with one guy, and the dude's like, nah, hell with this. Like, I, you know, I'm, not, I'm not dealing with this. He's like, I don't understand crazy. English, sorry. Yep. He goes to Canada anyway after making a phone call. He fucking just goes to Canada. No luck finding the first dude, because the first dude's like, I'm going to go move as far away from people as humanly possible and just be... But be fucking done. I was Me? like, well, that dude's checked out. So I'm going to go live in does. a cave. Like, I don't need any. Absolutely. I, don't, I mean, I respect his choice. I'm just saying, like, he's just like, I'm out. I'm done. But he finds the one of the the hands from the boat we see sunk in the, the first boat we seen sunk. His name is, um, I have it on here. He was the, he was driving the first boat, right? And Jacob, then, yes. And he's the first one to see the monster. And the captain's just like. What are you doing, crazy man? And grabs onto the wheel. Yeah. Yeah. Then the boat sinks. But yes. but yeah, his name's Jacob. He does survive. He finds him, tells him he believes him. They kind of cooperate, brings them all back. And this is kind of a shaky, like, proof thing. But <laughs> yeah. Jacob, Jacob identifies the same picture as like, Tom did. And like, it has to be it. Because two but, people. Uh, the funniest take, thing right? is that I wish we got a. Uh, just a small shot of uh, the uh, Tom there uh, showing them like this is this is the one. I guess yeah. I guess we get that when he chooses the picture and huh. Lee's there. So I guess we didn't need that extra thing, but I wish kind of Elson was kind of put brought into it. Yeah. So that when uh, who's this guy? Jacob. When he picks out the picture, it, everybody kind of should have had like that same reaction, like, "Oh my god, that's the one!" Instead, it's literally Tom is like over his shoulder, like, oh, "That's the one! I, I picked that one!" And he's like, it barely picks it out of the pile. Yeah. <laughs> well, after he picks it, like, he Tom convinces Elson to call Jack, and Elson vouches for him. He's like, "All right, dude, I, he's I like, think I'm gonna say." Must be it. Two, Must be true. Two, two people. It's more than one. It can't wow. be crazy. It's crazy. Random, a non-empirical test, but whatever. This was, the, this was my problem with this movie, was the yes. fact of how fast the professor's just like... And the other thing that makes this character kind of sad, and why I, I like this character, and it was depressing when he, you know, gets offed, is... Um, whatever. This movie is 70 <laughs> years old. Jesus. Uh, it is. It is. <laughs> is the fact that he is literally going on a vacation for like the first time in his career. Oh like my 30 gosh. years. Yeah. Like that just. It's that like pain. Like, He's like, oh, yeah. oh, fuck this vacation. We got to find this dinosaur because two people said yeah. that it exists. <laughs> 
like nowadays everybody goes on vacation like once a year or whatever and then he's like he's been working for like how many years and it's <laughs> his first vacation like damn right well he called we do confirm this is when we find it's the redosaurus because when yeah. he picks the picture he's like oh, oh it's a redosaurus yeah know? Obviously, a fictitious dinosaur, as Parker mentioned earlier. But he's like, it's related exactly to that one is. out there. That 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 but skeleton, bigger. but it's bigger. Yeah, he knows exactly what it is. Yeah, it's like that. Or it's organized chaos, but it's just two people. Yeah, I mean, he. He's been doing this for more a long power time. to him. More power to him. Yes. So Allison vouches for Tom. They call Jack. He's like, hey, listen, I got a guy. Jack's like, okay, I'll I'll play along. I got a guy in the Coast Guard. I'll check into it and let you know if I find anything. Right. So this is where we get one of the most iconic scenes from this entire fucking movie. It's the Redosaurus attacks a lighthouse, which was yes. the inspiration we talked about for the Foghorn short story. It's a great shot. It's really great work. I love the lighting. Yes. Uh, it's it's fun. It's it's a it's These again guys. one of my favorite scenes. And of course, we have to meet the two people who work in the lighthouse. We have to have a conversation with them. Yeah. And yep. uh, then they just tragically get destroyed. <laughs> Absolutely, that's how these movies work. At least, at least it wasn't just a young couple making out that just abruptly get killed. You know, that's the usual thing they go with. Peace out, bitches. They determine after they look at the wreckage for the lighthouse, the doctor's like, no, there's more to this. And where some other incidents, apparently there's been other buildings that have been destroyed along the coast. On the coast of and he did, Massachusetts. Yes, yes. Which is where this light, you've got to find this lighthouse. Maybe this is a real lighthouse. So, no, this lighthouse was in Maine. They said that the lighthouse was in Maine because it went from the Arctic. Then they, like the ship said it attacked was in some sort of like sea. And then it went to Nova Scotia, then to Maine and then to Massachusetts. And it was making its way to New York because that's where it's nest or the that's where they found the only known skeletons of this dinosaur. Yes. As Parker said, I mean, we've completely bypassed what Greenland and Iceland all that that whole area in between between yeah, there that. not important like, yeah he determines ellison determines it's moving down the arctic current which yeah. like yep. you said is moving down the eastern side of north america we're just going to up that land they just decide okay this is probably where it's heading because of the remains you talked about the remains were ever found in this canyon off of new york mm-hmm. that they're going to get a ship and go down in a diving bell well ellison's like i'm fucking going in the diving bell I mean, let the old man go. Like, the dude knows what he wants to do. Ironically, this diving bell scene is used again in, it may be the giant behemoth, but I don't remember, but for sure it is in Gorgo, which is, again, directed by the same director of this movie. Surprise! So, uh, yeah. Anywho. So, the doctor goes down, and one of the deckhands to operate the bell, they try to talk about it. He's like, fuck that, I'm going, ha ha! I lost my vacation for this. I better be able to go in that damn sphere or whatever. So, <laughs> so he goes underwater. They, we get a, a, a stunning <laughs> octopus versus shark scene because why not? This, Obviously filmed in an aquarium. This was hilarious. Works. This was, it was hilarious. hilarious. Oh. And, uh, they do eventually the, like the, the shark and the octopus get nommed by the redosaurus. Yep. I just love how it and, just like superimposes the head into the scene with the shark and the octopus and just disappears. <laughs> dude, I will say this is one of my, I think this is the scene because this is when the redosaurus starts coming closer to the, the yeah, it's diving like you bell. see it swimming. You yes. It and it's, it gets close. Yeah. The light hits it. Yep. 
light hits his face. And I was like, how the fuck did they do that with stop motion? It just looks so fucking good. And There's a it, couple of scenes where it's like you just see the head and it's like, eh, we're just going to cut it off of the neck. Yeah, well, yeah. So like it's, what you mean when it's a close-up of it? When it's like a puppet? You there's see a puppet else. Yeah. But it's like, it's perfectly like, yeah. we're going to cut you, it off. There is a puppet head, which is, it's okay. But the stop motion is, is where it's at. But this is, I love this scene because this is what you talked about, alluded to Parker, where, is, where Dr. Elson dies. But he's so invested in his work that he's literally breaking the creature down about the differences between what they know and what it actually is as it is literally going eating the sphere he's in. Like he's like talking about it and like, oh, you know, the dorsals, it's not, there's not two of them. It's, you know, it's, it's not bilateral, single yeah. down the, the spine strip or whatever. Yep. And like all this shit, I was like, they're actually using some proper um, anatomical terms where they're describing the creature. And he's like, oh, going and going. And he just, and the line just cuts on it. Yep. You never see the bath sphere get destroyed. It just the communication just cuts. And then you get a newspaper clipping showing that he's missing. Or <laughs> old man ice in Antarctic. Yeah, pretty or, much. I mean, yeah. Pretty much. But after we find out, uh like literally after you find out he dies, the Redosaurus just fucking shows up in New York. Yep. Just fucking hops up on the dock and he's like, Yeah, baby, let's go. Yep. He knows how it ain't his first record. Well, oh, yeah, I mean, but, like, there's no, like, oh, like, let's mourn the doctor. Like, immediately, let's mourn the doctor. No, it's just, like, fucking Redosaurus time, baby. It's that that whole scene. Uh, I've, I've seen scenes before. Or did they, or was or was that mourning scene come up? Was it before or after he attacked him? Right there is what I'm talking about, where he's yeah. supposed to cut off head. Yep. But, no, there's, like, scenes in other movies where you see this whatever lizard-esque monster Swimming underwater, and all of a sudden it's on land. Like yep. it doesn't even go up out of the water. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, it's just the people in the dock, and then like the redosaurus like comes up out of the water. Like ah oh, shit, that's a lot of fish. Oh, I'm sorry, it's a different movie. <laughs> the uh, but no, like I think we do have a scene where they mourn the doctor because Lee talks about it. Is that now or is it later? I can't remember. I think it's just more of. It was more of her. She was the one because they were like back at his office and she was packing up his bag and she's like, oh, this this was, a, you know, packing his bag up differently than what it should have been packed up like or something like that because he was supposed to go on vacation. And <laughs> yeah, if they just it was a small scene where he comforts her. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it's there. And I just want to mention, I don't remember if I put it in the notes. But essentially, we get this awesome scene of, of just beautiful full-on effect shots of the Redosaurus going through New York, and you'll you'll see shots where the where the they blend the stop motion shots in with live action shots of the street, and they look fucking phenomenal. Like they're so well blended. Like obviously, you can tell there's a little bit of a difference for oh, yeah. for a film this age on the Blu-ray. It well, looks fantastic. I mean, when you're watching it in HD, which was not the intended purpose at the time to watch it, you're gonna notice those like imperfections but yeah i mean this movie looked fantastic well i was gonna say i even give it more credit because usually movies like this when they go to hd you notice it more and i didn't you i didn't think you noticed it nearly as much as no. you should have from a movie of no this but age. i know because i know what you're talking about because he's like walking over cars and crushing them but behind him is actual you know <laughs> city streets yeah it's just it, and then you get that one cop Fucking balls of steel, dude. He's like, I'm fucking. This dude had to be loaded. And he, like, and he did not know how to shoot a gun to save his life. 
Yeah. He's like, oh, let me reload and just fucking stand here. I love it though. I love the train how how well it blended of of the of the beast grabbing him and the way that they were able to show it. Little legs are flailing. Yeah. (laughs) This is my Ridley was up here, our youngest son, and he's like, look at this crappy CG. I was like, son, this isn't CG. It's stop motion. He's like, look at this crappy stop motion. I was like, son. Get your phone at your face out of your phone for a second. Really look at this. I said, this is dude, literally every one of these, he, he had to do 24 individual shots per second. And I had to break yeah. all that down for him to do. Cause there's tw- cause for those of you that don't know, mm-hmm. most movies are filmed at 24 frames a second. They give the whole cinematic look, not all of them, but most of them are. And, and a lot of kids these days have never been introduced to stop motion. Yeah, he's not really seen. It. I had to explain to him. He's like, not been. Look how smooth this works. This is a fucking skeletal structure, a skeletal structure with clay and other stuff built around it, and is moved very minutely. Yeah, it takes so much work to do what this man did, yeah. and it looks gorgeous. Like, and it's a real thing. I know. And it looks I wonderful. Told them about that because we went and watched. Um. Nightmare Before Christmas in theater. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you realize this is individually moved every, you know, every frame. He, he kind of got it after that when he watched it a little bit more. I don't think. I don't he, know if he'd said it for me, but I'm just like. I don't think the whole, like, frames. Registered. Yeah. Right away. Like, he's he's one of those that it, it has to be explained. And then he's like, oh. Because he's really, he likes learning why, how things work. So, mm-hmm. like, that's why I tried to break it down. And he's like, how many scenes is that? I was like, well, 24 times, you know, 60, that's a minute. Yeah. And then you take, you know, that times, you know, it was 80 minutes. It's an 80-minute movie. It's an hour and 20 minutes. Right. So, yeah. I mean, it was a ridiculous he, He's one of those that if you explain it to him, like, I, I say that to some people, there are people that get it when you explain how to make a bowl of cereal, you don't have to say, you know, step-by-step on how to make a bowl of cereal. He is one of those that he needs to know. Every step of the way. Grab the spoon, grab the bowl, grab the cereal. Like, he needs to know that. Yeah. And he'll actually look that up himself. Like, he'll come to us and he'll be like, did you know this? So funny. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah. I'm glad you are actually looking into that because a lot of kids at nine years old would not look no. into that. But we get this is just scenes of carnage. These are great stuff. It's all good effects work. You get some shots of like police officers coming up with shotguns, shooting at it. And there's a scene where just the Red Source is fucking just trying to get away from the cops, just plows through a fucking building, just clean through it. You don't need this and anymore. After its first initial attack you start getting like newspaper things come up, but I, I wrote some of these numbers down. It was like 800. It was like 180 dead, 1500 dead found 1500 injured. And it said $300 million in damage. Well, I just did the estimate on the calculator a little bit ago. That's $3.5 billion in damages. So in today's money. Yeah. And, and, it, and then you have the, um, the radio announcer who's talking about, the situation is like something that you know man has never seen before and i just i love the old timey radio oh yes yeah. and they're so yeah. brutal about it we talked yeah. about it in them where they're like super brutal about like people die and tore apart and shit like yeah. that and i was like 
I just want to hear the the radio announcers with the whole like the um. Oh, uh, Morse, code. Morse code. Like I, w- I want to hear that. Like because you hear, you know, you, I've watched a lot of those where you hear the the radio announcers, yeah. and they're sending Morse code, and like I just, I just want to hear that. Uh, this <laughs> is when we get to see the doctor who's like realizing that people are being like they have like radiation poisoning. Yeah, like the monster's blood is toxic. Yeah, it's fucking sweet. There's an angle we didn't expect in this movie. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because they end up injuring it too, because they shoot yes. the a bazooka like in the lower part of its neck, and it causes it to bleed. And you'll see it's like shows them walking. There's like puddles of blood in the street. Yep, soldiers just start falling down. Like Could you imagine? Thanks, eh, Steve. <laughs> Could you imagine if this was a giant puppy? Puppy. Everybody wouldn't be running from it. That's true. They just get eaten by it. I love you, puppy. I need a pet you. It's Clifford. <laughs> I mean, Clifford will paint the streets red. How big was Clifford the big red dog? He was quite large. That's what I'm saying. And everybody wanted to love him, and he destroyed things because he was so large. I like the shot of, yes. And I like the shot of him on the roof where they've got like that turret. Yep. And this monster's in the street. And he like shoots it in the head, and it won't go through its skull, and it just kind of reacts and it's fucking like, runs. We're going to need a three inch shell to get through that skull. Yep. And uh, it, it ends up disappearing and ends up in an amusement park nearby. Yeah, it's just it's in the middle of the roller coaster, just tearing it apart. Just hanging out. Yeah. Just hanging out. And this is where Tom gets the idea that we can kill it with a radioactive isotope because with its blood being toxic, they can't just blow it up. Yeah. They blow it up, it's going to spread toxins everywhere. And also they, they can't burn it. Burn it. Yeah, because yeah, it's going to go into the atmosphere. And who knows what the fuck that's going to do. So they figure if they kill it with radiation, essentially just keep it as a whole, even though the body will eventually break down and deteriorate and I'll have to worry about all that fallout. But if they can stop it from moving and kill it in a single spot, that's the idea. And uh, the idea is that since it's got the open wound on its chest from a rocket, that they're going to get a sharpshooter to shoot the isotope inside the creature and kill it. Yep. And this is the line I always remember from this movie. He's like... <clears throat> Trying to think of how it goes. He's like, remember, you only got one shot at this. This is the only t- isotope of this type of this kind, this side of Oak Ridge, so you can't miss. Hey. And Oak Ridge is not far from where we fucking live. And for those of you that don't know, Oak Ridge had played a huge part in the construction of the bombs for the Manhattan Project. So it's literally like 100 miles from us. It, we, are, miles. we are right outside of the zone to if it, evacuate. No, yeah. So, I just like the Oak Ridge reference, and I've always loved yeah. that line in this movie. Funny that I, when I was a kid I, or younger, I heard it, and then I actually live near it now. So, uh, fun. <laughs> uh, they ride the roller coaster, and I put roller coaster, wee, in my notes. Because <laughs> they have to, they try to shoot it from the ground, but the, the creature's inside yeah. the in, like, intersection of the, he literally, of the roller He aims over, he's like, nah, can't do that. Like, yeah, and this, by the way, this is the sharpshooter we were talking about. Corporal Stone, yep. Lee Van Cleef. This is his appearance. And not in the movie much. He says a few lines, and that's about it. And then shoots the pew pew gun. They wear those old school. All you need is to make your, your name known. That, well, he, he, did, sorry, he did some other stuff before this, but this this is the earliest one I remember. He I did mean, it, how many times was Arlie Army and stuff? And he was, it was oh, just yeah. for like oh, yeah. five, ten minutes, and he was done. And you're like, I, for, 
I forgot Lee Van Cleve was it was an it conquered the world. The giant uh, alien cactus that uses little flying stingrays to mind control people. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Real thing. I don't know if we'll cover a it. A giant don't cactus that uses stingrays. <laughs> you made like, mention like stingrays from this. the ocean. No, yeah, it just it, it's an alien cactus that shoots flying stingrays that in like mind controls people. You made mention when we first started the Monster Zone that it did not have to be. It's true. It, we can do it. It challenge or it uh, it conquered the world. I will add it to our list. I always get it mixed up because it's it conquered the world, it the terror from beyond space, Wait. and the monster that challenged the world. I get Stop. mixed up sometimes. Hang but anyway, um, I will add it right now. <laughs> I jokingly put the roller coaster kills the dinosaur, and then it starts on fire. <laughs> so the the roller they're up on top of this. Did you put it on there? Have it challenged the world? It challenged the world. Or it's supposed to be the monster that challenged the world, but that's the giants. That's the one with the giant killer snails. Um, it's a thing. I promise. We'll, we'll, we'll get it on. I covered it on my old YouTube show. But anyway, um, Tim Matango too. The the what the, while they're on top of the roller coaster and the monster starts flailing around, the cart that they rode up starts moving and they can't stop it, so they lost the ride down. So they got to walk back down. Well, once the cart falls off, it hits some conveniently placed oil drums. It catches the whole wooden roller coaster on fire. The guys end up getting off. The Redosaurus breaks out from in, around the roller coaster and, and does a very convincing kind of like death animation where it starts like falling and it falls over and it moves a little bit and tries to get up and just flops over. And then we got the titular like we talked about in all these other movies where it just it just ends. The end, the movies, like it's actually really similar to the ending of Black Scorpion, where it's just the corpse of the creature. Yep. And it's like the end. I love how they the all like everyone's end. hugging before the monster even falls. Like, yeah, everybody's like, Good job, him. we did it. And the monster's are like, <laughs> Yeah, like, how do you know this even worked yet? It's let's fucking hold our horses uh, here, folks. It's great. Celebrate early, don't, don't go off too early. Ladies don't like that. Or 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 people, you know, I'm sure there's dudes that don't like that either. But anyhow, let's get to what do you guys what do you guys think of the movie? This was a huge, huge improvement from the first movie we covered this one. <laughs> it had an amazing creature design and work by Ray Harryhausen. It had interesting and likable characters yep. who weren't just it wasn't just a dude trying to get in the girl's pants. It was like a problem occurred and everybody was working together to try to come up with a solution. It, this movie looks amazing for 70, oh, yeah. it's 70 years old this year, which is just insane. And uh, yeah, it just, I mean, the fact that it influenced so many movies going forward, I mean, the fact that it influenced, you know, God, you know, the creation of Godzilla and, you know, all these other monster movies throughout the years, it's, you know, it's an influential movie. It's iconic. So, um, I think just Ray Harryhausen's monster design alone makes me love this movie. Oh, yeah. It's so, so good. Yes. As I say a lot, so good. <laughs> that's my thing. I guess that's my catchphrase. So, so good. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this isn't the first time that we have watched this. No. I had the DVD and then I bought the Blu-ray of it. It's not the first time you've seen this movie. That's Whether you remember it or not, it's not the first time. There's not a lot that I remember. I could remember scenes from movies, but 
actually physically watching them, there's a lot that I don't. My brain just like. Oh, I hear you there. Uh, I mean, I enjoyed it. I know I've watched it. I enjoyed it again. Uh, I mean, we always watch our movies MST3K style. Like, we, we make comments. He may not write them down. I may not write them down. I may not remember making the comment. Uh, but I enjoyed it even, even now watching it. Just, just seeing. You do that, and it makes me think that I'm like ranting or. No, something. I'm just like, rubbing your arm. You're not. You're doing. You're totally fine. <laughs> you make me think like I'm ranting or something. You're not it, ranting. It's okay. It's no, okay. I just want to rub the back of your arm. That's a little. I know. Nice. Just wait. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. Do that when I'm not telling my opinions on something. No. Uh. Watch it. Please watch it. Yes. You, you won't regret it. I don't... <sighs> Go I'm. I didn't grow up watching these movies. So seeing them as an adult, it's like, gosh, I missed out on a lot. You know, as a kid. Because I know what my mom likes. Not so much my dad. He. He's a different breed. I don't think he really likes movies. Mom loves movies. So learning what she likes, I'm like, why didn't you not introduce me to this stuff? You know, when we were kids. Like, I would have loved it. Like, there are certain things that I remember catching on TV. Um, I remember being sick. I was homesick from school for a week. I had the flu. And I hated it because... I couldn't get out of bed without being nauseous. And it came to the point where I had to get my hair cut. Because I had this huge knot in the back of my head. But I remember watching all these shows. And all this stuff that I wouldn't have been allowed to watch. But it just happened to be on TV. And I couldn't get up and change the channel. You know? I was... You know... I begged my mom to come rub my back one time so I wouldn't throw up, and I still threw up in the floor. Uh, so it's love like... you, mom. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. But no, it's like a lot of things you remember your your brother and sister saying. Like my sister was home from school with me because my parents couldn't stay home, and she's like, she was talking to a friend, and I remember her saying she actually seems sick. And here I am sitting at the table. I I'm like this. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sick. <laughs> I'll have to tell you about I We were talking about that today at work, but I'll tell you when we get done. But it's like, I, I see certain things. And it's certain things that were, it catches your, your memories of certain shows that you watch. And you're like, yeah, they mentioned this. And I'm like. Why was I not allowed to watch this? This yeah. wasn't bad. But you get those references from kids' shows, and I'm like, I don't remember watching this. Why wasn't I allowed to watch this? It didn't have anything it didn't have anything bad in it. The fifties didn't really have any no language. Not really, no. No. No 
you you hear of deaths, but you don't really see them. Really. There's really not a lot of blood or gore. It's yeah. just people die. You either yeah. hear about it or you see it, but it's not as it's not violent. Yeah, it's made very impersonal. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, gosh, I missed out on a lot because you. There were certain shows that I watched. It was kids shows, and they make mention of certain things that it kind of triggers that watching this stuff now. I was like, well, shit. Could have watched this. Yeah. That's what you got to make up for now. Yeah. Like, there are certain shows that I watched, and it had, like, at the end of the show, um, pictures that kids had drawn. And the host would talk about what they had drawn. And I was like, what that is? And I, I see these movies, you know, in the last... We've been together over 15 years. And I'm like... Uh, so that's what they were talking about. So, you know. But yeah, definitely watch it. Stop it. Sorry. I'm sorry. Before I get into much of a... I just want to poke your side. I'm, you're touching me again. Like Alright, I'll stop. Her. I'm harassing okay. my wife. It's okay. I'm not doing that. I that's just wanted to poke you. Anyway. Stop. I enjoy this movie a lot, and I think people should watch it because I don't think enough people do. I think this is as much as shit that this is inspired. It's like King Kong, like he's of course inspired a lot of stuff, but like Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms is nobody talks about. Right. Like I think it's an underappreciated film, even though I know it's it's a it's a classic because a lot of people know about it, but I don't think as many people know about it as they should. I I really like the characters, um, even like you guys talked about the romance. The best, the closest we get. Is when Tom is when Lee kisses Tom on the cheek later in the movie. That's it. Yeah. Which not every fifties movie has to be about the man getting in a woman's pants. No, it doesn't. And you can tell there's a romance and, and Lee even mentions it to Elson in the movie. Or Elson mentions it to Lee in the movie, not getting in the way of romance. Because obviously he knows that Lee likes likes him. Mm-hmm. And uh and that's, that's that's great. It just wasn't a focal point, and that's what I appreciate. And there there was a little bit, you may say it dragged a little bit when he was, you know, hunting the dude down, you know, to get there to, to about uh, proving he was right about the monster. Just a little bit. You may say that. I don't, I think it was fine. It was the movie was an hour and 20 minutes. Uh, like we said, the effects were fantastic. Uh, I, I love anything stop motion because I grew up with stuff like this. And even, even now, even though know, I, I appreciate when, when a, 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 a movie or director or anything's ballsy enough to use it in this day and age. It, it's good. It, it's wonderful. I, th- I think it's paced really well. The the monster stuff's good. Uh, of course, you have you show you see it really early in the movie. Like I mentioned be, earlier in this video, is not a common thing. It's usually or not. Oh, I didn't mention it. We were talking yeah, candidly, and um, usually that's you get alluding to the monster, but they actually show it early. And but yeah, you just you just guys just need to see it. If you haven't, just fucking watch it. it, it it's the Blu-ray's worth it. If not rent it somewhere for like three bucks it, it's it's a since it's a better known movie it's not free anywhere that i can think of so and but. you're not watching a car from across the yes road, at the end of the road <laughs> drive towards you you just see the monster pick a car up in its mouth and throw it though that does happen Which is good with a guy in it mm-hmm. i mean just wait till that he happens didn't have again. time to get out of it but anyway good is there job. anything else you guys like to add 
watch it. So, so we're all in a concurrence about watching it. Or this is, this is yeah, this is probably my favorite movie we've covered on the show so far. Very nice. It's but it's I, I still, very close between this and them. Yeah, I think those are those ones are really close together for me oh, for yeah. sure. But uh, yeah, I think that's going to be it for this one. I don't know. I think this one might be one of our longer, slightly longer episodes. But it'll be worth it. It's, it's a good one. It's, it's a, a good. good one. It's, a, yeah. it's a good one. So definitely check this one out. And uh, we appreciate you guys for coming on. Uh, I'm going to say it, but I know Parker will appreciate your patrons. And if people watch this as a free item, we appreciate you as well. Do you say he yes. wouldn't say it? No, I said he will. Oh, He'll okay. probably say it too. Yeah. But uh, before say. we close this out, Parker, you have anything else you need to? Uh, no, I mean, there is a possibility that we may release this for free to everybody because the fact that it does tie into uh, an an episode of the regular core podcast that we do. So I was debating on whether I'm going to put it out, but I think I'm going to release it for, on Patreon and then uh, maybe maybe like a, next month or something. I'll I'll throw it up uh, just randomly one time. One day I'll just throw it up on uh, the uh, the feed. But uh, yes, thank you to our $5 patrons for supporting us. And, you know, this is the shows for you guys. So thank you very much and hope you enjoy. Yep. So thank you, Mr. Parker. We appreciate you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, wife. And uh, no, thank you. And no problem. I try. I I didn't make the movie. This was no, but this was more of a you kind of. I wanted this so bad, but I'm glad we got to talk about it. I just I just helped. I appreciate it. We got, that seed. There's some other big, big, really good Harry Houser shit that's mm-hmm. on our wheel we haven't got to yet. Uh, There's so much. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. But you guys, thank you very much. We appreciate you all. I'm Dan, and we will see you guys next time. Bye.